Welcome one and welcome all. It is Tuesday, November 14th, 2023, 8.01 p.m. Central Standard Time. That means we are streaming live on the Blog of the Boys YouTube channel and the Blog of the Boys Twitch channel for the latest BTB roundtable. You can watch these shows or this show on either one of those platforms live or at your own convenience. Uh, it's up to you, but live is a little bit cooler. Uh, you can also listen to this show on the Blog on the Boys podcast network. Make sure you subscribe if you do so. If you do anything or see anything or read anything, hear anything, smell anything throughout the Blog on the Boys universe, you will absorb the incredible intelligence of the people with me tonight. My name is Arjo Choa. Yes, my voice still sounds like this. Going in clockwise order, which means order of arrival. Tony Catalina is here. Tony, happy Tuesday to you. Happy Tuesday. I'm glad to be here. Hellman is up next, uh, always changing his uh, background when it comes to this. It is a great still of Dak Prescott Hellman. Yeah, it, it was uh, the moment I saw this during the game right after that incredible catch to CeeDee Lamb where he was trying to throw it away. I was like, I know exactly what my background will be for the roundtable this week. Well said. Uh, Danny, David says that I have sounded like Batman all week. I am wearing a Batman uh, t-shirt from our friends at Homage. Uh, who is your favorite superhero and why? Danny Phantom. Oh, goodness. Oh, why do you have to ask me that question? Um, I don't know. It's got to be Batman, but don't ask me which one. All right. Well, in case anybody um, doubted, uh, Danny is off to a lead here uh, in terms of points. Uh, it is a blog of the boys roundtable, which means there is a winner. Points will be handed out throughout the night by both me and by the crowd. Tony, you have picked up five from Brian. Everybody follow Brian on TikTok at Talk Cowboys for being the early bird. In fact, Tony, your wife, Rachel said that you were not late. She knows that. Uh, it sounds like you were a little bit annoying in terms of getting set up for the roundtable, Tony. Yeah, um, yeah that's kind of my MO. Um, okay. Hellman, on a 1 to 10 scale, how annoying do you think Tony was? Probably like a – well, I would say like generally it would be an 8, but with the hat, I think it went up to a bit of a 9. Okay. Yeah, wearing <laughs> a hat indoors, Tony. I will, I will say my wife will attest to this. I'm a habitual line stepper. So, like, I, I I overstepped my bounds a little bit, and that uh, I'm sure you guys have figured that out. But she gets I the actually, brunt of it. Um, by the way, Hamlin, you have picked up 10 points uh, for your background. So, congratulations to you. We'll update the board accordingly. Tony, extra right before we jumped on, I saw you shared on your Instagram story. I think it was a TikTok that you had downloaded. Uh, and it was you bragging about how you're going to show up to Thanksgiving dinner next week with no work done, nothing yeah. contributed, uh, but go and eat everybody's food and just kind of be a general nuisance. I know my role and I play it well. So I'm going to show up. I'm going to eat the deviled eggs and and that, that'll be that. All right. Last one before we get started with uh, the Dallas Cowboys football discussion. Danny Phantom, your thoughts on deviled eggs? Uh, I like them in moderation. Are they a part of your Thanksgiving Day? Sometimes. You know, ritual? Sometimes. Will they be this year? I don't know. I'm not in charge of that. Holy crap, Danny. We're nine days out. Like You got to know at this point. No, I, I'm not in charge of the menu. I, I can tell you, I'm, I know I'm getting lemon meringue pie, and I can tell you we're going to have turkey. And that's pretty much as far as I know, as far as what's on the menu. Danny, maybe the worst possible pie on Thanksgiving of all the holidays. I mean... Um, wow. Uh, Howman, thank God we're through the pumpkin part of the fall calendar. Um, is there anything special that you're excited to eat on Thanksgiving next week? Well, we're not through the pumpkin part of the calendar. Everybody knows you got to have your pumpkin pie at Thanksgiving. That's what I'm excited for. 
All right, that's enough. Hamid, I won't give you um, any pumpkin <laughs> points. Uh, by the way, DB Cooper says smash that like button, fellows. Uh, if you guys want to like the video, subscribe to the channel. Those things definitely help us out. Uh, the score, as we get started with the Cowboys, part of the discussion, Tony, Danny tied for second place with five points. Hamid off to an early lead with 10. All right, so Thanksgiving night, um, there are nine days between now and then. That means there are two Dallas Cowboys games between now and then. I don't know if any of you realize this, but um, historically, the Sunday before Thanksgiving is a little bit hairy for the Cowboys. Like there, there have been some closer than we would like games, maybe not in terms of recent, recent history, uh, but it, it can be um, a bit of a kind of trap game sort of vibe. Uh, but nevertheless, the Dallas Cowboys are six and three. Life is seemingly very good. So we're starting off with a very blanket question. How are we feeling? about the Dallas Cowboys. Howman, you have the lead, so uh, the floor is yours. I think we're feeling really good about the Cowboys right now, especially because we've been able to see their offensive improvements just last week to week since the bye. They came out of that bye, and they made a whole bunch of adjustments on offense. They had more motion. They had uh, they were they were giving Dak the ball more and just letting him throw. And then even then, like the run game has gotten a little bit better each week. Uh, they incorporated Brandon Cooks into the offense more. They spread it out a little bit while still being able to feed CeeDee Lamb the way that he deserves to be fed. The offense is played at a high level. We know what the defense is capable of. Um, you know, being able to get two blowout wins over both the Rams and the Giants the way that it should be. Granted, the loss against the Eagles was rough, but it was, you know, as far as losses go, that's about as, as good of a loss as you can get. It was competitive. They were really close. A couple of things just didn't quite go their way. So I'm feeling good. I'm feeling confident about this team. Um, that said, like you mentioned, this upcoming game could be a trap game. It's something they got to really take seriously, especially with the Thanksgiving game coming up right after that. So I'm interested to see how they carry over this, this momentum and confidence into the Panthers game. We will talk about whether or not the Panthers game is a trap game. I accidentally clicked a couple of our headlines. Um, I'm I'm playing sick. I mean, we've all known that for the last week. Uh, if it isn't super obvious with my annoying coughing. Danny Phantom, I just did a hit with our friends at 105 Through the Fan, and they asked me about Mike McCarthy's offense. There's lots of love. There's lots of pie, so to speak, to go around right now. Dak Prescott's getting a lot. C.D. Lamb is kind of asking for a lot. Uh Tyron Smith's getting a lot. Tony Pollard, not so much. But Mike McCarthy's not. I know you're not necessarily the person lining up to scoop it for him, but the Texas Coast offense is kind of, um, well, maybe not pie, but the proof is sort of in the pudding right now. Yeah, no, I mean, I am very impressed with uh, the way things have looked recently. I mean, Hellman touched on a lot of them. And, uh, yeah, I mean, with when it comes to McCarthy, it, it's, it's kind of a struggle for me. You guys do know how I feel about him. And while things look really good now, you know, it's, it's, it's a stark contrast and it makes you kind of wonder like, you know, what, what was going on early? Why? I mean, I don't, I don't want to go down a different uh, tangent on this, but I mean, he's brought like the Kellen Moore offense back to Dallas and they look fantastic and that's great. And I'm happy that he's able to use that bye week come in and make a lot of changes, you know, incorporating more people. A lot of stuff's happening pre-snap with just Dak getting himself organized. As you can see, they still kind of they're playing with fire with the clock a lot because it's there's a lot of stuff happening. But I think they're doing a lot better job. I mean, I don't, I don't remember a single pre-snap penalty last week, which is something very unusual for this team. Uh, so I think you were seeing improvements. Uh, I love the, the, the pass-first kind of mentality. I think it's opening up a lot of things for this Cowboys team uh, and opening up some things in the running game. And I love the fact that the Cowboys are taking deep shots. And I think it's almost kind of like a, a CD or not CD kind of thing. It's like forcing teams to, to uh, address him. And then when they do, 
now Dak just has all these all this other room to operate, and they're finding ways to attack in different ways. And I, I mean, this is the best they've looked offensively by far. And I'm glad to see like a progression of McCarthy in his offense. And I tell you what, when this offense when it's cooking like this, I mean, it, it's going to mean good things for this team as a whole. Tony, there's no better feeling um, than when you call something and it works out. Um, Kevontae Turpin told you as an example here on the podcast network back in the week leading up to the Super Bowl, I want to force them to use me on offense. Week one, dude has a rushing touchdown. Tony Catalina is walking pretty tall, right? Annoying Rachel in the hallways of the house, right? I mean, like, that's a really cool feeling. And CeeDee Lamb is probably walking taller than anybody in the world right now because he said, look, the offense will work better if it flows through me. Holy crap, he was right. Turns out using your best player, you know, on offense is a good thing. Absolutely. I, I love what Greg Olson said during the telecast where he mentioned C.D. Lamb came to Mike McCarthy, came to Dak Prescott in a non-diva way. It was like, hey, how can I help? Right. I think getting me involved more can help this team. And I think they really responded well. I think he went and handled it in a mature way. We've seen other guys in past years not handle it in that type of way. He just stayed. I, I think he understood that the 49ers game and how he handled that situation wasn't a good look. But a guy who can learn from that, build from that and grow from it is like somebody you can build around. And obviously he's going to be a cowboy for a long time. But on the field what he's done is just super impressive he's a guy who called the shot and he's lived up to everything he said so i mean cd lamb the growth of this we all knew that he was a star in the making we all knew he had this potential but to actually see it unfold i mean he's got to be up there in the conversation with anybody you want to talk about right now well said okay so the vibes are good for the dallas cowboys in fact this isn't um a banner that we have but i'll ask each of you and we'll start with you Hellman. The last time you felt this good about the Dallas Cowboys was when? And you can take that and define it however you'd like. Um, I think I'd probably say, uh, I don't know a specific week, but at some point during that 2021 season where, you know, the, the offense was playing at this high level, they were it seemed like they were scoring at will whenever they felt like it. And then the defense, which, you know, with that being Dan Quinn's first year, they were starting to come into form. Micah Parsons was really starting to get into that role as like a, a dominant pass rusher. And we were saying the offense is playing great. The defense is playing great. Like Dak's putting up great numbers. Um, obviously things didn't go how we wanted when once they got to the playoffs. But that that was really, I think, where my confidence was this high. Mm. Sorry, I muted myself. Danny Phantom, same question. Probably you don't have to go back very far. I mean, I, either – either the right before the Arizona game or right before the San Francisco game. Um, you know, I mean, obviously we have felt really well about this defense. Uh, we know how good it is and we're just kind of waiting to see what the offense can do, you know, and, and, and I think that's really going to swing the pendulum for this Cowboys team. And I mean, I felt really good earlier in the season until you do, we come in and we, and we just completely, you know, don't, don't show up, but uh, I still feel good about this team. Uh, there's a lot of, reasons to be excited about it it's just you know we just want to see a little more we want to see some consistency we want to see you know them continue we want to see them be the good team uh that's important and we, so i think um uh yeah it's you don't have to go back very far for me it's it's earlier in the season interesting i don't think i felt confident going into san francisco i felt hopeful but i definitely didn't feel confident well i and felt Hellman, good about the team not so much mm, about beating san francisco and how i was checking the 2021 schedule i, I think probably after that Washington game, the Terrence Steele touchdown game, like that was the, I don't know if that's going to be your answer, Tony, but like that was when it felt like, man, they can walk on water. I, but what do you think, Tony? Yeah, I think, I think I'm going to take a little bit of Danny's and Danny, uh, David's, uh, Hammond's answer here. So it's like 20, cheat. 
You're just going <laughs> to steal everybody's ideas. It's the benefit of going last. So, no, it's when you look at it, right, I really did feel like going into the 49ers game where, okay, this felt like a team that you could you could really build off of. You felt like they could do some good things. And then I don't think anybody in our wildest dreams thought what happened in the 49ers game was what was going to happen. But then you listen to what Howman says in like 2021, I found myself saying on this very show, like I thought this was the best chance we were going to have to win a Super Bowl. Like I thought it was one of the better teams. And, and now I fast forward to 2022 and I think a lot of people, myself included, were a little pessimistic about going into that season. They pleasantly surprised us. And then this year, it's like, okay, this feels like a complete football team. And to Danny's point, can we beat somebody? I know close against the Eagles, but, you know, no cigar in that. So um, I think it's a little bit of both. Like, I feel confident in the way this team is built this year. But the last time I felt really good about this team was 2021 when I thought that was the year they would go all the way. Mm, okay. That's really exciting. Um Good job, everybody. The vibes are, are really great here on the roundtable as well. Uh, I flashed this question a little while ago. Hellman, I'll start with you, not because we've been doing that, but because I saw you tweet about this earlier. Are we worried about Carolina being a trap game? Now, I think your tweet was about um, you were quoting a report, I believe, from Diana Rossini of The Athletic, and she was talking about um, how the Panthers are evaluating Frank Reich and they want to make sure they have the right person in charge You know, for Bryce Young's development. Um, and to your point that, again, correct me if I'm wrong, you made on Twitter, um, the Panthers really, really feel desperate to kind of put something legitimate out in front of them so everyone can keep their jobs. Right. Yeah. Their, their backs are up against the wall. That's, that's typically when you see a team, they're, they're either going to completely collapse and the writing will be on the wall for, for Frank Reich and his coaching staff after just one year, or they're going to do what you would expect from a coach with Frank Reich's reputation and what he did in Indianapolis, which for the most part was successful um and and they're going to come out and they're going to you know like we always talk about every team is going to give the Cowboys their best shot because it's America's team they have that reputation and add to it that this is a team that like really needs a win the coaching staff really needs a win the players you know Bryce Young really wants to prove that he's not a bust being the first overall pick he really wants to get comfortable in this offense even though there's not a whole lot of pieces built around him and you know add in the fact that uh, you know, it's 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 a noon game. It's it's an early slate. It's you know going going east to to Carolina. It's you know right before the Thanksgiving game, which at the beginning we talked about. Like sometimes those are closer games, and I just feel like all the ingredients for a trap game are all kind of coming together. And especially with this report about the Panthers, like the coaching staff's kind of in a tight spot right now, even though it's their first year, even though it's you know they're clearly the first year of a rebuild. And I'm just like that. That that kind of doesn't necessarily scare me, but it does make me a little bit more worried that this could be a real trap game and that the Panthers could come out and and surprise us. Because like you know, Frank Reich won a lot with you know a different quarterback. Like every week, it felt like in Indianapolis, Bryce Young was the first overall pick for a reason. You know, he was great at Alabama. It's not like he has no talent. You know, Adam Thielen has turned back the clock and he's playing great there. They have good pieces on defense, so like the ingredients are there for a trap game. Tony, you're up next because I'm sick of you having the advantage of going last. Lord says Panthers is definitely a trap game. And Casey offers, I'll admit that I'm worried about young speed. Mobile quarterbacks expose us pretty regularly, although you can't count Hurts last week. Obviously, he was dealing with injury. Yeah, I mean, I can buy what Helmut's selling about this being a trap game, but I look at it a little differently in the sense that my trap feels like instead of the Cowboys winning by 24, they win by 14. Like, I think there, there just wow. isn't enough. That is some arrogance, Tony. Jeez, I respect. Mean, you do you watch that Thursday night football game? Like there just aren't I mean, enough horses in the stable. Like I mean, Adam Thielen's their number one guy. Like Bryce Young hasn't really figured it out. He's no C.J. Stroud. Like it just 
there's been, I understand what he's saying. Yes, there are a lot of elements that we've seen historically speaking, the early kickoff, the travel in East, the week before Thanksgiving. Like there are a lot of things, but I, but it comes back to the last segment. We were just talking about the belief I have in this team. I think there's enough talent here. I think they understand what the, what it takes to be done. Like I, I know the Giants had absolutely no chance with Tommy DeVito last week and Bryce Young is obviously a better quarterback. So they have some chance to shock the world there, but I, I just, like I said, I, I could buy into them being sluggish. I can buy into them not, you know, handling business the way they should. But I still ultimately think that just slims the margin to still a 10 point plus victory, but it's not going to be as impressive as last week. Daniel Phantom. Yeah. So I don't, I don't subscribe to the theory of, of, of a trap game. I don't think such thing exists. Usually you just have, it's, it's just a letdown game where team doesn't perform, you know, up to your expectations. And, you know, that happened in Arizona. Um, but that's because there's reasons for it. And uh, I don't think those same same reasons will apply here. I don't see, I can't envision some type of scheme game planning that will, can get uh, Dan Quinn on his heels. And, uh, and, I, and as Tony already you know, mentioned, I mean, they, they're, where, where are they going to, who, who are their playmakers? I mean, they, they just aren't any, and there's nothing about that team that scares me on either side of the ball. I mean, the only thing that the, the uh, Panthers are ranked high at is throwing the ball a lot. And that just excites me. Uh, so, I mean, the Cowboys have the depth. So if you're not getting a great effort by one guy, don't worry, you know, you'll have another guy can come in. I mean, I'm more excited about you know, what we're going to see than any, anything that concerns me about this at all. It's just, uh, you know, not a chance. Now there's the, the Cowboys aren't falling into any trap this week. To okay. be sure though, like going into the Cardinals game, we were saying like, I don't see how Josh Dobbs can stand a chance against this Dan Quinn defense. Cause Defense have been lights out the first two weeks, and guess what happened? Josh Dobbs did Josh Dobbs things, and the Cardinals were able to make some plays. The Cowboys couldn't overcome their mistakes, and you know they they didn't take the team seriously. And you could say, you know, against the Giants, they took him seriously because it's a divisional opponent. You know, you, it's it's Tommy DeVito, but it's also a divisional opponent. Mike McCarthy has done a good job of like stressing the importance of winning your division games, but. Panthers don't really mean anything to the Cowboys, just like the Cardinals didn't really mean anything to the Cowboys. Well, mm. one th one thing I want to just mention there too. I mean, we sh I think we know now after the hind after you know the ability of hindsight, Josh Dobbs is actually pretty good, and uh, I don't I don't have the same concerns about you know the Panthers, and so I mean, and also too, it wasn't just Josh Dobbs too. I mean, Arizona was they did have weapons. They had uh, Rondell Moore, and they had guys that were able to exploit some of the weaknesses the Cowboys have shown. Does Carolina have that? I mean, are you scared of Miles Sanders? Are you scared of Thielen or Jonathan Mingo or who else? They got Chubba Hubbard. I mean, I don't, I don't know. No, I'm not scared of any of those guys. So I, I just don't think that the Carolina has the ability to put something together to, to be a threat to the Cowboys. Tony, real quick before you, uh, I know you had a point um, that again, not to, you know, get, explain this away, but the Cardinals game was also like three days after Trayvon Diggs was lost for the season. I mean, that was like a, a brand new, you know, deal. The Cowboys were kind of, you know, coming to terms with, which obviously we hope isn't the case this week with the Panthers. Yeah. Like I don't really have much more to add because Danny kind of pretty much said what I was going to say, but I think we have the benefit of hindsight going into week 11 that Josh Dobbs is, a much more formidable quarterback, like he said, than we had anticipated. I think Arizona, it's an anomaly game, right? Like no, no doubt about it. These all, these guys all get paid. So if they lose to Carolina, I'm sure we'll rip it, but we'll say like, Hey, it's possible. They are this, they're professionals, but I, I think there's elements that Arizona brings that Carolina can't really duplicate. And I think the Cowboys have been fooled once. I, I, I just can't see it happening. Also uh, in my best Rachel green voice, it's uh Joshua, not Joshua, not hey, Josh. Y 
RJ, so. just one quick point too, but I'll give you points for this because the Diggs thing, that was a great point, but also it wasn't just that. It was a lot of stuff along the offensive line. So the Cowboys did get kind of surprised with some of the stuff that was happening going into that game that I don't think they were quite prepared for. Well, yeah, let's just wait till we get to Thursday practice this week and see what happens. Right. Uh, to your point, Danny, Tyron Smith, Tyler Biotish, and Zach Martin all missed the Cardinals game. Um, and we thought that they were, you know, maybe trying to be greedy and, and trying to get them, you know, through and, and obviously had their eyes on San Francisco. Um, and it blew up in their face a little bit. Um, I do want to address a super chat before we kind of get back to the here and now. Brandon, thank you very much. Um, your question, I think, that you assigned the super chat to. Uh, there was a lot of a little bit of chat, fellows, in the about or a little bit of discussion in the chat about the running back position, and obviously Tony Pollard. Um, so we'll go around the bend quickly here. Tony, uh, what would you like to see happen in the offseason at running back? Just general statement. I mean, I think if there's a way, you know, I me, mean? I've been a big fan of Rico Dotto. If they could find a way to keep him cheap, I would keep him. But outside of that, like, I think there could be a reset at the position. I think that was kind of the plan altogether, right? It, Ezekiel Elliott's gone. Let Tony Pollard get the get the reins this year, and it's a one year deal. If they if he doesn't show out, there's no reason to sign him. So I could see them drafting somebody and moving on. Common. Yeah, I think Pollard is. They're going to let Pollard test the market, and you know, depending on what his market is, maybe they bring him back at a reasonable price. Um, you know, depending on what they see from Rico Dowdle and maybe even Deuce Vaughn the rest of the year, they, they might go forward with those guys, look at some some cheap free agent options and look at the guys in the draft. Danny. Third round draft pick. Uh Danny, uh, thank you, by the way, Brandon, for the super chat. Danny, I wanted to get one more super or one more comment on the screen for you. Um, there was some chatter in the chat about Arizona and how also weird things have happened to the Cowboys in Arizona. And I know that you love this. Rex says, remember when Garrett iced our own kicker in Arizona? And it cost us a win. Remember when that definitely happened that exact way, Danny? Yeah, I remember when it definitely happened that exact way. Um, that was 12 years I, ago. I saw I saw that comment and I'm like, RJ's gonna put that out there. I just knew it. I was at that game in person. Horrible. Wow, good times. Uh Brian, uh, thank you for the super chat. Has said, speaking of digs, we need to address LVE CJ. Uh, it was reported late Monday by the Dallas Morning News and then corroborated by Jerry Jones. Uh, on Tuesday morning on 105.3 The Fan, uh, that C.J. Goodwin is done for the rest of the season. Uh, that was the presumption when the Cowboys first placed him on injured reserve, but nevertheless has been confirmed. Uh, same sort of thing with Leighton Van Der Esch. I think there was more optimism around Leighton possibly returning this season, Danny, uh, but it appears that that is not going to be the case. And his career, um, you hate to say, may be in jeopardy. That's just a really big bummer, obviously. Uh, he's been such an important player for the Cowboys since they drafted him in the first round five years ago. Um, all due respect to CJ Goodwin. We're here to talk about the Leighton Vander Esch element of this because it impacts the defense. Um, so one to 10 with 10 being the most in case that isn't obvious. Danny, how devastating is the Leighton Vander Esch news? So honestly, it's, it's, I don't know if I can give this one number. I think I have to give it two numbers and average it, but I mean, I, I have two thoughts about this. Obviously uh, um, I'm really disappointed for uh, Vander Esch. You know, he's, Finally had a couple of good seasons where, you know, he's been able to be on the on the field. Uh, and then, then this happens. Uh, but I'm also just kind of worried for his future, not just future as a player. I'm talking about, like, just quality of life. And I just feel like, I don't know, when, when you're dealing with this type of injury, it's, it's just a really – I don't want to get morbid or anything, but it's just really risky to be continuing to put yourself uh, out there. And I, so I, I kind of feel like this is the end of – Van Der Esch. And that part saddens me. Um, because I think he's a great guy. And I think he's just been a, a wonderful, you know, fighter for this team um, throughout the years. Uh, and, but 
turning the the page over to the football side of things, I, I'm not devastating very much at all because the Cowboys are getting good production from both their second year players with Damone Clark and and who would have thought Marquise Bell? I mean, that guy's just having a a really great season. I think when you look at that and in some of the um, the way the interior defensive line is played with Jonathan Hankins, just one of the most underrated players we have on the roster. Mozzie Smith, you know, I mean, people don't talk about him a lot, but, you know, he's doing work. So, I mean, even ne- Neville Gallimore, when he's not kicking people, I mean, he's playing well. So, I mean, if you look at that, I feel, of course, you know, we all, we have Overshone coming back uh, next year. I feel really good about this, and I, I, I almost feel like, the overshone injury and even Van Der Esch is kind of a, a small little blessing in the sense of it allows us to see what we have with Marquis Belk. Would we, would he be getting this type of action if these other guys weren't here? So I don't know. I'm trying to look on the positive side, very happy with the young guys they have. And then of course, overshone coming back next year, feel really good about the Cowboys linebacker group as a whole, but I feel really bad for Van Der Esch. Yeah. Uh, most people agreed with you in the chat, Danny, when you said you had two different thoughts, I was kind of curious how you were going to go about it. I think that's fair. I think, on on the personal level, I think we're all at 10. Like, this just sucks for Leighton Vanderish, obviously. Um, but Hellman, Danny is right from, you know, the football evaluation standpoint. I mean, it's it's fair to wonder. I mean, the Cowboys talked about Marquise Bell as being a linebacker for them at training camp. I don't want to say that they, you know, saw this coming, but it seems like they did bake in a contingency plan that they obviously put to use so far this season. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think they, they kind of understood the reality that, you know, Leighton Vanderish, he's played great the last couple of years, and – you know, he's had an interesting career arc where he was, you know, tremendous in his rookie year and then kind of kind of plateaued a little bit, was kind of on the decline. And then the last few years with Dan Quinn showing up, like he really just took off again. But you also understand that, you know, he's had these these neck issues for a while now. And that's something that like, you know, even even if you're playing great, even, even if you're in the best shape of your life, like you never know when something like that can just pop up again like it has here. And I think they kind of learned from their experience with Sean Lee of like, you know, when it's a situation like this, we we have to always have some sort of uh, contingency plan. And, and you know, to, to their evaluation credit, like Marquise Bell was a perfect fit in that linebacker role. He's been playing great, um, you know, during the game on Sunday before we had heard any kind of updates on Vanderesh. I was thinking and I saw a few other people on Twitter saying the same thing, like when Vanderesh comes back, you probably are still just going to kind of rotate him in because you don't want to take Bell off the field too much. That's how well he's been playing. Um, unfortunately that's, that's, you know, not even going to be a debate to be had. And, and it's, you know, really unfortunate that the Van Der Esch is in the space where he's at right now. And, um, you know, it just, it sucks to see something like this happen to a player just in general when it ends your season, but also if it's potentially career threatening, like you never want to see that, especially, you know, the, the, the way that the injury happened in that game, you know, personally, I felt like it was a little bit of a cheap shot that, that got him injured. Um, and so for it to happen like that, it just adds insult to injury, uh, especially a guy with with the career path he's had, what he's what it's taken for him to get back to this peak of his of his performance. So, you know, for for that personal side, like you said, it's a 10 as far as devastation for the Cowboys, as far as I mean, a few weeks ago when he went down, you know, we were, you know, all, I think all pretty worried about being able to replace him, especially because they were thin at linebacker. But Damone Clark stepped up, Marquise Bella stepped up for the, strictly the football side of things. It's, you know, unfortunately, it's not that devastating. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to really be excited about that. Yeah, Tony, um, it feels like the Cowboys, you know, did their homework a little bit differently with regards to this season, given that when Leighton was hurt last year against the Texans, 
the run defense just kind of cratered without him. And it, it feels like the Cowboys said, okay, like Layton's going to be a part of this. They were able to bring him back. Um, but we we have to have a, a safety net here. And they set that up and obviously they're they're living it out. But um, I think we all agree, Tony, it's, it's not the most devastating thing to the current football operations, but it is just a huge bummer in general. Yeah, I don't really have to spend too much about the off the field stuff because, like you said, that's as on a human level, this is a really tough situation. He's a well respected guy in that locker room, a leader, somebody that is really liked. On the field, I'm more worried about it in the depth side of things, right? I feel like Marquise Bell has brought speed. He's brought some athleticism. And, and Lane Van Esch filled the role. He did some good things when he was on, on the field. And I know he's kind of changed his, his career arc a little bit over the last couple of years. But Marquise Bell brings that different like side-to-sideline speed. And he's a guy who's newer. He's learning the position. He's playing like a lot of instinctual football right now rather than just like principle-based football. So... You, you worry about the depth. I know they have Rashad Evans really getting his first linebacker reps last week against the Giants. That will continue to grow. So, I mean, as far as contingency plans, like you said, RJ, like I think they were real with themselves. They kind of set it up. They put themselves in a position where they're going to be okay no matter what. But, you know, it's a long season. Injuries happen. And on a purely football basis, you wish Leighton Randesh was in the fold, at least in a depth role. And But if, but if not, I think they're okay. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. By the way, Ethan mentioned a little while ago in the chat, the rookie year interception of Carson Wentz. Cowboys beat the Eagles, my favorite memory. That was the game in Philadelphia. Uh, That was an intense game. That was early in the game. Um, That was just part of, I mean, maybe peak Leighton Vander Esch. Uh, Howman, you mentioned the career arc. I think we forget uh, the Cowboys drafted Micah Parsons on what the Thursday night, and then the following Monday declined Layton's fifth year option. And I mean, his future with the Cowboys looked toast. And obviously, some of his benefit was that, you know, the evaluation of Micah Parsons as an off ball linebacker didn't pan out, um, thankfully, for a lot of reasons. But um, I mean, the dude. That's that was when he returned to form and played some really incredible football. Not a lot of people would take that and and put it um, to use the way he did. So good for him. Um, this takes us to the next portion of our discussion, which is obviously focusing on the present. Uh, there has been so much discussion, both nationally and locally, about the games that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to be playing and the bit of, of a gauntlet that they're starting. Um, you could argue that they started obviously before their bye with the the home game against our team. Uh, but the Eagles play on Monday Night Football this coming week at Arrowhead, uh, the side of the team who beat. Them in the Super Bowl last year. Um, let's take a look at their upcoming schedule first, Danny Phantom. The Eagles are eight 
and one that gauntlet runs through Seattle, their next five games, uh, all potentially against playoff teams. I think we all um, are probably a little bit less enthused about the idea of Philly playing Buffalo now and a little bit less afraid of the idea of Dallas playing Buffalo now. Uh, but nevertheless, Danny, these next five games for the Eagles, um, how do you think they do? At Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco at home, at Dallas with the Cowboys coming off the mini buy, and then at Seattle all the way across the country, your neck of the woods. I think they lose two and a half of those games. Um, what the hell I mean, so, I mean, I, I think we beat them. I feel, I feel like we're going to beat them at home. And I also think San Francisco is going to give them a good, a good fight. Um, and I'm, I'm, there's I'm, a lot I'm, of bad blood in that. Sorry, Danny, in that game, just because the Niners didn't get to play them last year with Brock Purdy. And so they have a little bit of a point to prove in a score to settle. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but I think what worries me more is the other ones where I don't know. I mean, I think Philly can get beat in any of what, those ones where I'm just talking about those first five. Um, but I don't know necessarily that it, it worries me because I feel like they got to go down. And if the Cowboys really are to have any sort of chance of catching them, they got to go down with, with one of the, with, in the stretch because there's just not a lot of room otherwise. So uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's going to be hard and um, it's very important too, that I think the, the, the Eagles lose the, the common game ones. Like I'm not, I don't care about Kansas city. Uh, you know, I want like the Buffalo or Seattle or something, because that's, that's what's going to matter when we look at the tiebreaker situation. If we end up finishing in a tiebreaker, we've already lost two of our non, you know, non Philly losses are, games against the Philly is going to play. So that's already factored in. So it's important that they lose. It's also important who they lose to. And I, I don't know. I think it's going to be really tough. How many? Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, we're definitely going to learn a lot about this Eagles team. Like if, if they're able to come out of this with like, you know, just one loss or, or even beat all of them, you know, for someone like me, who's been saying they've gotten lucky through a lot of these wins so far this year, you, know, you can point to a lot of them where like, you know, fluke play here or there, you know, they've won a lot of really close games overtime against the commanders, you know, trailing in, in the second game to the commanders and they had to pull off a comeback win. Um, but if, if they're able to come out of this, this upcoming stretch with like one loss or even beating all of them, I'll change my tune and I'll, I'll admit that like they're the best team in the NFC because that would be impressive. I think the chiefs probably beat them. Um, I, I think the Cowboys beat them in that rematch with it being in Dallas and how close the first game was. I, I honestly think the Bills could could pull it off and beat them. You know, kind of they're I, I expect that they're going to be a little galvanized by the change that they made at offensive coordinator, and kind of that'll be kind of a wake up call for them. And like it's tough with them because they're a talented team and they just can't stop shooting themselves in the foot right now. But playing against a team like the Eagles with something to prove, like maybe they'll they'll step up and pull it off. Um, and then also, I mean, we weren't talking about it, but I'm circling that Arizona game as like a potential trap game for them. Jonathan like, Gannon, baby. Yeah, like I mean, Kyler Murray's back. Like he he didn't look great in his first game, but he was played well enough to win. You never know how they're gonna be feeling at that point in the season. I just think it would be hilarious if the Cardinals were able to upset the Eagles on top of what they did to the Cowboys. It would be a little bit of poetic justice and to Danny's point also help in terms of that like, you know, common opponent that you lose to thing. Yeah. Um, for what it's worth, that Arizona game, how many is week 17? The Cowboys play on Saturday night that week. They hosted Detroit Lions. So uh, we'll have full and total attention, obviously, fixated on the Eagles Cardinals game on Sunday afternoon. Tony, um, neither of your competitors have really given a number here. Um, you know, I don't know if you want to take that and run with it. Um, you do sometimes wear a bit of a Homer hat uh, tonight. You know, you've taken that to a literal sense. Um, you know, how do you think the Eagles, you know, 
are through this Seahawks game. I, I do leave room for the possibility that they, they clean sweep it out. Right. I think oh, I've, I've, I've gone to the point where, you know, I've, Oh, the Eagles are going to lose this game. They don't, they're going to lose this game. They don't. And they find ways to win. So I got to give credit where it's due, but where my mind leads me to is a two to three and three and two window, right. With us really being the swing game. I think, I think, the way I look at it, Kansas City is going to beat them, and I think San Francisco is going to beat them. I think they beat Buffalo. I think they're going to beat Seattle. And then realistically, if they come out of that above 500 or not, it's going to really contingent based on how they play against us in Dallas. So I, I if the if the Cowboys win and they end up 2-3, and three, we're in business, right? Like if they're 4-1, and 5-0, you got to tip the cap, like Howman said, and and it's really nothing you can do about that. Like you shot yourself in the foot, you know, against Arizona, and and you lost to them already. So you're really just hoping for a wild card and trying to grit grit and fight through that. But I really think that there's a chance that they could lose two games and and us being the swing third. So you think they lose to the Chiefs and the Niners, right? Yes. So you think they're they're traveling to Dallas with three losses to their name? No, I think. I think what so they lose to Kansas City. It's own one, one and one, one and two. They travel to Dallas, one and two. They they have they are eight and one at the moment. So right, right, would, yeah. Sorry, okay. so on that stretch. I was okay, looking at yeah, that stretch. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they they show Nine up. To, to, yeah. So they show up with three losses on the season as a whole. Let's get to the Cowboys side of things. Cowboys are six and three at the moment. Danny Phantom, let's go around the bend. If Tony is correct and Philly walks into the building. Uh, that Dallas has won 12 games in a row at at present time uh, with three losses to their name. If the Cowboys take care of business between now and then, they'll be playing for the driver's seat in the NFC East. True, yeah. It's just uh, the the thing about when you look at that schedule is just how that finishes out. You know, while Philly's going through their tough stretch now, the Cowboys will have theirs at the end. I mean, even if Buffalo isn't what we thought they were going to be, I mean, look at Miami and Detroit. I mean, that's – I don't want to be – facing those team when when the eagles are playing the giants twice you know toward down the stretch so i feel like we got to get we got to take care of our business early because we get down to this stretch and i could see us going in and losing a game to detroit and it just completely messes everything up so um i it's i think it's tough because of the cow the situation um you know the the nfc east opponents while you may not think it makes means any difference at all because they get new york twice and you know they're done with Washington, and we get Washington twice, and we're done with New York. Like, but that's an advantage, and you never know what well, you know. These divisional games are, are important, and Washington's—they're still fighting. You know, they just lost to, by three points to Seattle. So, I think all that points to a really tough uh, road for the Cowboys. And it, I hate to say it, but it just—it's looking at this sort of thing just eats away at me about what happened to you know a week ago in Philly because I feel like that was an opportunity squandered and. And it's just, it, that completely changes everything if if they had a different outcome. So I don't know Cowboys are in the in a hole now. I think they're it's a tough ask for them to come to string together and and try to win seven out of eight, which they may have to do. Um, you know, with to, to that to might catch not Philly. even be enough to your point. It though. might not like, even be enough, right? Yeah. So I I just think that is it's just the Cowboys are are sitting in bad shape when it comes to trying to get get that division. So, Haman, I want to change the set of questions for you a little bit here. But before I do, we all agree that facing San Francisco is the worst possible outcome, right? Like, like none of us are too proud to admit that. We're all good with that. Like, nobody wants to go to San Francisco in the playoffs. I disagree. Okay, Haman, well, you know, I understand that sometimes you zig when everybody zags, but you can understand how the collective can feel this way, right? I, I get I get why that would be the, the opinion some people have, yeah. Right. Okay, so 
we, we agree also that mathematically it's a little bit difficult to catch the Eagles right now. That is the reality of last week's loss. The Cowboys are further behind the eight ball, so to speak, because of the value of that loss and the value of that win, obviously, for Philly. Uh, Hamann, I brought this up on the NFC's mixtape last week, although that was to Brandon Gowden, who you know enjoys the Eagles. Uh, and I brought it up in a video that I did on Monday here on our channel. That game against Detroit in week 17, and the Lions, as you well know, you're a, a Dan Campbell supporter, a Lions truther all the way through and through. Their schedule is, is a cakewalk. I mean, really up until that game. It is very possible that things break in a way, Hellman, where if Dallas beats Detroit in Week 17, they clinch home field for Philadelphia. I mean, that would kind of suck. I mean, would it not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it would be – there's a lot of different ways that this this last portion of the schedule can go for the Cowboys, for the Eagles, for the Lions. Like, the, the implications are all over the place, and it, it's – It'll be really interesting, and by that I mean like potentially heartbreaking to see how all their dominoes really do fall here. Because um, depending on how it goes, you're going to look back, like Danny said, you're going to look back to that Eagles game, you're going to look back to that Cardinals game. Um, but honestly, like I'm, I'm kind of fine with it. So it's for the same reason that I would be okay with going to San Francisco to play the 49ers in the playoffs is like they got to prove themselves. It's not going to be easy to get to the Super Bowl, and that's the goal is like is to get to the Super Bowl. So you know, having a tough tough schedule in the end like you know that's that's the way that i would would want to have it you, in, to, in order to be the best you have to beat the best and then you're going to be facing you know the seahawks you're going to be facing philly you have to go on the road to buffalo on the road to miami you're going to get a tough team in the detroit lions and you know to, to your point they're going to be coming in probably with a really good record a chance to clinch home field and i mean if you can go out and you can win the majority of these games like you're going to prove to not only the fans, but to themselves, the players, like we can hang with the best. We can, it doesn't matter if it's at home, if it's on the road, going to Buffalo in, in December, like that's going to be a tough challenge. If they walk out of there with a win, I don't really care how the bills are playing at that point, going into Buffalo at that time for being a team down in Dallas, like getting a win in that kind of, those kind of conditions would be a big win. Um, so, you know, th this, this is, I just think like this is going to show who they are as a team, whether they're actually capable of going all the way. Um, and if they show that they're not capable, then we know how the playoffs are going to play out. If they come out of there with, you know, a good enough record, if they win the division, if they are, you know, cross fingers, maybe they even get home field, then who cares if they have to play San Francisco, who cares who they have to face, you know, al along the way, like they'll, they'll have my total confidence at that point. All right. Uh, how many going full? Robin Williams, Dead Poet Society on top of the desk. Respect. Um, Tony, you seem to be busy when I was asking the question. So just are you afraid of the 49ers? Yes or no? Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's fine. That's totally understandable. Another game then, Tony, that I think is low-key super important, we've talked about, and Danny made the point about how the loss in Philly is so massive, is that Seattle game for Dallas. Because if we believe that San Francisco is going to pass Detroit for the second seed in the NFC, although that that's another factor here is that, you know, San Francisco could end up the three seed or whatever the case may be. If Dallas loses to Seattle, Tony, it is going to be very difficult for them to vault them in the wild card seedings if they obviously don't win the NFC East. And so, I mean, I know that we're all looking you know, forward to the Philly game as an opportunity to catch the Eagles, but not if you surrender on that because anything is possible. But that Seattle game is is low-key hypercritical for the Cowboys to, to hold that direct tiebreaker over the Seahawks. 
Yeah, I totally agree. It's one of those things where I think it shows you how important games are, right? I, I hate doing this because I, I do do it, but I'll look in like June and be like, man, if we didn't just lose to Arizona or if we didn't lose to the Denver Broncos, like how different things would have been. But it, it's true. Every single game matters. And I can understand why, you know, two segments ago, Hellman's like, let's not trip up and have a trap game against the Panthers because you lose to them. You don't know how that affects you in the same in the same breath. That's a straight up matchup against the Seattle Seahawks, who I respect. Like they are capable of beating you. I know that they're struggling a little bit, and so is Buffalo. But those are two teams that are entirely capable of beating you, who can kind of derail things. So we can talk about what the Eagles have done and what the Eagles can do, and what the next month's going to look like. If you don't handle business that's in front of you, none of it's really going to matter. Danny, you raised your hand. Yeah, I just want to say. I mean, we we're we're talking about catching the Eagles and stuff, but I think something that all is also of pretty strong importance too is to secure that five seed if we can't catch them because right. i mean we want to play the NF- the nfc south team because if you look at detroit and san francisco being like the other ones i mean that's not how you want to open up open up the the, the wild card weekend and additionally too if detroit kind of hangs with that too you know hangs with the with the second spot the cowboys could end up having a, a cush wild card game and then and, and go in and play their divisional round against Detroit and then and it could actually match San Francisco and Philly up together so there there is a path that could actually work out favorable for the Cowboys but it's going to take just you know falling right in that in that perfect spot Tony yeah I mean I don't know how crazy this is it may not be crazy at all but if you're not the one seed you'd almost kind of like to be the five yeah, seed. that's 100% you're- true that's the second best that's the best wild card playing team to be in the NFC Right. I mean, you're going to get a matchup against the NFC South. And if you can just weather the storm of Atlanta Falcons or Tampa Bay, like you're going to be fine and wow, you're going to waltz. disrespect. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Right. Yes. I mean, exactly. I'll take anybody in that division. I think anybody would like our odds with that. But you're right. I mean, I don't I didn't think it was a bold take. But if you're not one, let's be five to um to Danny's point, kind of. Um, but just to the general point, I mean, I know it's difficult to like forecast even like two or three weeks beyond now. But I did want to get to this as well, because this could throw a wrench in the entire discussion that we're having. Kevin says, I'm going to predict that the Seahawks win that division. Are any of you aware that the Seahawks and Niners are both six and three right now? Yeah. Okay. So they're both six and three. So I would like you to see the Eagles upcoming schedule. Their third game as of now, you know, starting now is against the Niners, right? The Thursday night before that, the Cowboys host the Seahawks. It's possible that if the Cowboys drop that game to Seattle, and then Philadelphia takes care of business against San Francisco. It, it is possible, Howman, that the Seahawks could, you know, jump the gun and, and leapfrog the Niners and win the NFC West themselves. And then Dallas would for sure avoid San Francisco, at least in the first round of the playoffs, and potentially beyond that, because they would both be wildcard teams. In a sense, we should kind of be rooting for Seattle. Yeah, I, I mean, we're really going down the rabbit hole at this point. That's the point <laughs> of this. That's the whole point of this discussion. I mean, live in the rabbit hole. Don't get me wrong. I would be happy if that happened. Just one to, you know, get a more favorable matchup early on. Um, also, because I like Geno Smith. I was happy to see him kind of revive his career last year and that he's, he's continuing that along in Seattle this year. Happy for him, rooting for the guy. Um, that being said, I mean, I, I, I know Seattle and San Francisco have the same record. They haven't played each other yet. And it's weird how the schedule worked out where they've gone this long without actually facing each other. I imagine I have a hunch that when they do face each other, it's going to become very glaringly apparent which of those two teams is the better team and which of them is going to win that division, uh, regardless of what happens against Dallas or Philly. Um, so, I mean, I guess we'll have to wait and see till that actually happens. But 
I don't, I don't think that I'm going to spend a whole lot of time hoping that Seattle's able to win that division. Okay. So we've spent a lot of time in the rabbit hole. Uh, Danny, I believe Alice in Wonderland is one of your favorite films. Is that correct? That is not correct. No. Wow. Well, you know, I don't been. know where that came from. Um, I really don't either. Uh, anyway, um, we've gone down the rabbit hole uh, to an extensive degree. Uh, so our final kind of discussion point here tonight, you've all seen the remaining games for the Cowboys. The next four, uh, which are important, which take us through uh, the first week of December. And again, it's important to stress that Eagles game, not only at home for Dallas, but coming off of the mini buy. And they will be coming off of San Francisco. Um, it's not the same thing, but what, there was like a, a point in time, wasn't there, Hammond, where like teams coming off of the uh, you know, their Niners game were like 0-13 or something like that. Like the Niners like beat the crap out of teams is basically the point. Obviously, Dallas has um, done very well for themselves for the most part since losing to San Francisco. But the next four games for the Cowboys, starting Sunday at Carolina, Washington on Thanksgiving, Seattle on Thursday night, Philadelphia, that game's on Sunday night football, I believe. So describe the next four weeks for the Cowboys in five words. Tony Catalina, you're up. These are the next four weeks so you can see. Five words. I'll buy you some time while you kind of think you can kind of give me yeah. a heads up when you're ready. Are you saying you're ready? No. Oh, okay. So you, Tony needs some time. Um, five words. Danny, Howman, you both get a chance to think. Um, and you can take this any way you want. You can kind of just be a statement of fact. You can say like a statement of hope, a statement of question, a statement of concern. It can be a question. It doesn't have to be a statement. It doesn't have to end with a period. It can end with an exclamation point. It can be whatever sort of punctuation you want. Tony Catalina, five words. Yeah. Go. Four wins in the month. There are two months involved in this particular span of time. But four games would equal 28. You know what I mean? You get what I'm saying. I know, but it's also not correct. (laughs) How about four wins in the stretch? How about that? Sure. There we there go. go. Okay. So, so you're saying the Cowboys <laughs> are going to win four of their next four games. You think the Cowboys are undefeated through Philadelphia? You think the Cowboys get to 10 and three? I think, I think they get to 10 and three. I think they clean sweep. I think the noise around Dak Prescott and this, and this team becomes definitely loud in a positive manner with a tough stretch and, you know, our hearts having a chance to be ripped out towards the end if it gets hard. But I bet you, you know, they end up going 4-0 and things get a little bit crazy. It would be um, truly poetic. Like, I mean, like, truly poetic because Cowboys fans have really enjoyed themselves with all the Josh Allen stuff this season, obviously, on the internet. It would be poetry on top of poetry for Dallas to take the lead in the NFC East and then go to Buffalo and for Dak to have five picks and throw it all away. Like, that would be... Really just incredible theater. Um, some other contenders uh, here. Ethan says win, 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 win in all caps. Rick Ursulini said the same thing, but only capitalized the W uh, in them. Adam says 100% incredibly critical. Burn 1686 says 5 and 0 Dallas Cowboys. Rex says must win for playoff seating. Danny Phantom, you're up. This stretch will mislead us. Explain. I think we're going to look good and I think it's, we're going to be happy and it's going to look great. And we're going to start getting our, you know, t-shirts or hats or whatever you want to get and then just be all excited about this team. And I think we'll end up getting a rude awakening down the stretch. And that's, that's just how I feel about this. I, the Cowboys need to take care of business. The games in front of them aren't that bad. Um, but then it's, I think it's just going to be tougher. And, you know, I, you know, we talked about earlier, it's just how convinced are we of this team? We want to see them be a good team. We'll get, we have to wait a while. For that to happen so uh that's why i feel like i think we're just gonna get a little bit more excited about this team before we truly know how good they are i don't know if that was positive or negative like that was you know it's kind of both. real is what it is that's um, what 
That was interesting. Howman, you're up. Five words. Or Tony, you had a point. I'm sorry. Well, I was just say Danny kind of just eloquently said what I was saying. Like, I think we're gonna run them up. Look at the I'm, shade here, Danny. Yeah. Tony is coming for you. This is oh, like the, the essay portion of the night. Well, there's he, no shade. He, that's not yeah. that's a compliment. I thought it was a compliment. Yeah, he, he explained it better than I was trying to. I think we're gonna go four and oh, and then we're gonna sit here high and muddy, and then there's a real chance I'm gonna be nervous that like it could crumble down, you know? So I don't know. I think Danny said it better than I do. At least Danny didn't say they all happen in the same month. You know what I mean? So good for you, Danny. <laughs> Four uh, games I look at in a month block. You know what I mean? <laughs> Tony, it's actually, anyway. Uh, Howman, you're up next, please. <laughs> Four and oh, let's go. They're, they're going to be, they're going to be riding high and uh, you'll allow me to the contraction there. Um, they're they're going to be riding high and then they're going to be going to those games against Buffalo, Miami, Detroit. And they're going to have all the confidence in the world. And if they're able to pull off, you know, two of those three at least, then we're going to see exactly who they are. But they're going to be right and high going into that stretch. So you are all in universal agreement that the Cowboys are going to win their next four games in a row. There's no doubt in my mind that they're going to be tough. I, I think that Washington on Thanksgiving is going to be a tough game. No doubt Philly will be. But I think the stretch that Dak Prescott's on is like if he can continue this, you know, conversation – there is no there's no reason why this team can't go undefeated in that stretch okay what's the the game before philly that concerns you the most is it washington or seattle because tony you sound a little bit more afraid of washington i i always get nervous about a team with nothing to lose a quarterback like sam howell and a, a big thanksgiving national stage like for something that's just really unsettling for me and i think seattle could beat us too but i think washington has the capabilities to kind of put us on our on our backside I was coughing. Um, how many, which game are you most concerned about before Philly? Um, honestly, I'm more concerned about the Panthers game just because, you know, like I was saying in the beginning about it being a trap game, like all the elements are there. Like Frank Reich is a good coach. Um, I know he's struggling in Carolina, but like he's a good coach. Bryce Young has like, we know he's a good player. He was the first overall pick for a reason. And, you know, Washington, Seattle, like those are both good teams. They're going to be a challenge, but also it's in Dallas. We've seen how good the Cowboys have been at home under Mike McCarthy these last few years. And you know, it really hasn't mattered a whole lot who the team is that they play at home. They're very good at protecting their home turf. So, you know, I, those will be challenges, but I'm, I'm very confident in their ability to take care of the home games. It's that road game on an early game uh, against a team with really, truly nothing to lose as, as the worst record in the NFL and potentially going through another regime change with the coaching staff. That's That's the one that worries me the most. Danny, Brian says um, that he said earlier, Washington on Thanksgiving is the real trap game, and it could be the game that decides the NFC East. It seems like you are nodding with Tony. It seems like you might agree with that. I do. I mean, I, I'm more scared of Washington at when at on the road when, you know, in the week finale. Uh, but I still think that, I mean, we talked already, uh, divisional games are, are, are tough. And I mean, I mean, Washington does have some, some ability to do some stuff and that does work. And you have a Thanksgiving game. We've seen some crazy stuff happen on Thanksgiving. And, you know, I could see uh, the Cowboys kind of spoiling our Thanksgiving um, in that game. And at Seattle, I would be worried if it was in, in Seattle, they play better, you know, at home. And I'm not so much worried, um, you know, at home because Cowboys have just been, they've been destroying teams at home, but Washington, Washington does worry me a little bit. Not worried at all about Carolina. I can't believe how many even said that again. Uh, why would he even bring that up? But so I do agree with with Tony. I think he put it more eloquently than I did, but I don't totally agree with him. Um, you guys have made me a little bit more nervous about Washington. 
And when I say like I can see these things happening, it's because we're all scarred. But, you know, are like, are I'm, you nervous nervous about Carolina? No, no, no. I'm talking about Washington on, on Thanksgiving. I mean, you know, but yeah, like Papa Roach said it. Like the scars remind us that, that the pain is real. And like we've we've all had that horrible Thanksgiving Day loss. And again, like I kind of like painted the Buffalo picture. Could you not see Dallas? I know you can't see this, Hammond, but like Dallas going to Carolina and crushing them on Sunday and then Philly dropping Monday night to Kansas City. And we're all walking tall next week. Like we're thinking this is it. Like the demise has begun. All Dallas has to do is get this easy Thanksgiving Day win, Tony. And then we can sit back. We can relax and we can watch the Eagles, you know, hopefully continue to stumble. But then Dallas loses and gives them all the more room for air. Yeah, and yeah. then Brian, Brian Robinson runs for four touchdowns. I mean, I could. Wow, Danny made it worse. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, that, that's I have the pit in my stomach of having turkey and Thanksgiving ruined for me because the Cowboys lost. And, like, thinking back to a Raiders game not too long ago and thinking about different situations where I'm popping tums because I got, you know, indigestion. So, yeah, I mean, the, Washington plays a lot of teams tough. Like, they're definitely beatable. But, like, I could see, because we've seen it before, like, a, a gritty Sam Howell is the one, like, eating a turkey, like, at the end of the game. And you, like, want to, you know, you want to throw something at your TV screen because it's, like, it's so stupid. It doesn't make sense. But it's possible. Wouldn't it be hilarious if the Cowboys NFL long home game winning streak came to an end on Thanksgiving Day with, like, 400 million people watching? I mean, I, like, th I, I think we now have basically set it in fruition. It's going to happen now, I believe. And it's going to be our fault. We're going to get screwed by the refs. It's, it's, I mean, all of this stuff, I can totally envision it now. It's it's terrible. I can't. Why would we even talk about this? Uh, well, um, we should stop talking, which means we should put an end to the roundtable. Uh, the ballots are in. Howman, who do you think won? I think it's I think it's going to be Danny because he put everything so eloquently. Uh, Danny did indeed win the roundtable with Jake Ferguson amount of points. Danny, I'll be honest with you and tell you that you partly won so that if this stuff does come to pass, you're the like face of it and we can blame you directly. No, no, that's terrible. I don't I don't, I don't agree to that at all. I I deduct points and I I, rena <laughs> I renounce my first place. I Nobody's ever given a roundtable back. What are you doing here, Danny? <laughs> Yeah, I don't want this. You can't put that on me, Ricky Bobby. Um, Tony, you came in second, uh, but you were similarly scared. Like, maybe we're all just scared because that's life. That's sports. We're supposed to be. It's, it's supposed to be this scared. It's supposed to be this terrified. Yeah, I I was. It's. I'm speechless, right? I'm, I'm nervous. I'm so nervous. I'm speechless. Wow. Um, before we leave, and we obviously have one more roundtable to go before Thanksgiving, but I don't know which of you are, are on the sign-up sheet for that. Uh, Tony, what, 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 you, what do you want? What? I was, I was saying it's me. I'm going to be on there. You know, I'm going to spend Thanksgiving with you. Yeah, but when you raise your hand, it's indicative of you having a point to make on the show. So you, you threw off the balance. I'm an attentive listener. Danny. I, I will also be on that show. Howman, I presume you'll be on the show as well. I, I will also. Be on All that. right, so it'll be the three of us next week. Maybe we should each bring um, a food item, like a Thanksgiving potluck. Um, you know, like a Thanksgiving roundtable here. Who's who's down for that? I'm down. As long as there's no deviled eggs. Okay, so no deviled eggs. Howman, what are you bringing to the show next week? Call dibs on something. Go, and it can't be soda or chips. Um, I'm gonna go with pumpkin pie. Classic. Okay. Howman's going to have a slice of pumpkin pie next week on the round table. I'll Danny, have the whole pie. I'll okay, that's up to you. That's up to you. Uh, Howman, I mean, uh, Danny, what are you going to bring? So this is going to be on a Tuesday, right? That is correct. That's the way these yeah, things work literally I'm all the time. I'm not going to have any food by then. So <laughs> No, but it's a, it's a, it's like your work, you know, like 
again, a friend like it's yeah, it's Friendsgiving before Thanksgiving. That way, we're not going to be here on. So I, I, mean, I will I, be for the post game show. To, like, is this an imaginary dish that I'm bringing? We're we're all going to bring something here to the roundtable next Tuesday for a celebratory Thanksgiving edition of the roundtable. Oh. Alman has signed up to bring pumpkin pie. What are you signing up to bring? That's I don't question. know if I can commit to something so early. <laughs> we're literally asking you to commit right now. That's literally it. We'll come back to you, Tony. What are you going to bring and why? I mean, I don't know if you call it stuffing or dressing, but I'll bring a nice pan of stuffing. Tony, like we're, I'm being serious here. Like you're actually committing to this. Like we, I trust how yeah. we bring the pumpkin it's pie. It's like, it's like stovetop stuffing. Yeah. It takes like what? Five minutes to make. Like I can, I can, you think stuffing makes five minutes. To, <laughs> it takes five minutes to make the, the kind I'm going to make for the round table does. Yeah. Are you making Ritz cracker <laughs> stuffing Tony? Because he's no, not like, bringing his best. The yeah. stovetop box, you know, like, <laughs> all right, Tony. I mean, I, I was, you know, we were going to put some, some legitimate thought behind this stuff. Okay. Uh, but well, I guess you're me, bringing, you know, I'll make deviled stuff. eggs. Cause he, cause uh, Hammond didn't want to. I'll make the. Okay, so eggs. Tony's bringing deviled eggs next Tuesday. Danny, have you thought about this? Yeah, you know, I I, I believe my mom actually watches this for what reason I don't know. Um, she doesn't follow football or anything. But if you're listening, mom, I need you to whip me up some macaroni salad a little <laughs> earlier than normal. Um, so anyway, I'll bring macaroni salad. Danny, you recognize that we're not all literally going to eat this. Like, this is just something that you're going to eat. You got to be, you got to clarify. I don't know what's I, going on. I mean, like, you understand that this works in a two dimensional sense. Like, you know, so this is, we're all, we're all going to bring something. We're going to take a bite. We're going to go, yay. The Cowboys beat the Panthers. Hellman was proven wrong. And we're all terrified of this, you know, commander's game on Thanksgiving. Great. My mom happen. just walked away to get the list, the shopping <laughs> list. And now, um, all right. Just macaroni so salad. That's what we're having. Uh, Brian thinks <laughs> stoves, nothing is gross, Tony. Um, Adam accused you of bringing a loaf of bread, Tony. Um, I said earlier I wasn't bringing anything, so I'm bringing more to this than I'm actually going to bring to Thanksgiving. So. David said uh, a can of cranberry. That would have been a good um, guess as well. Um, and Rex said that Ritz cracker stuffing sounds good. So I kind of made that up off the top of my head. Um, I will bring a Whataburger. That's what I'll do. You know what I mean? Like a, a kind of different twist on thanksgiving a texas style a texas coast style if you will um, are you bringing just just a whataburger like a double whataburger like patty melt we getting fancy here i'm gonna bring a sweet and spicy bacon burger that's what i'm gonna bring Perfect. no mustard so because mustard's disgusting danny you like mustard i presume i i do <laughs> tony you strike me as somebody who likes mustard as well yeah i, I dabble in mustard um okay uh how many do you like mustard? I guess let's just round it out. I don't hate it enough to ask for them to leave it off, but if I'm ordering on the mobile app, then I'll I'll say no mustard. My man. Okay, Tony, um, as we leave, you did not win the round table, so you have to do the punishment. I would like you to give us your top five condiments, and mustard cannot be one of them. Go. Wow. Um, ketchup is up there. Gotta be. I, okay, well, welcome to the most common answer possible. I mean, it's, I'm, I, I'm, I'm struggling to name top five. Three. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Tony, top three. Ketchup is one. You can't okay. have mustard as, a, as an option. I can't eat, Can I say honey mustard? Like, I know it's like, I, I genuinely enjoy honey mustard. All right, top so. two. <laughs> yeah, that's probably better. Because, so here's the thing. I'm a type of guy that I eat it how it's how it's made. I don't take any off. I don't add anything. Like, I trust the cook. So I usually don't add condiments. How about sweet and sour sauce? I like sweet and sour. Sweet. I like. <laughs> is that in a... <laughs> <laughs> Tony, you, what's your you, favorite condiment uh ranch um soy sauce okay. i know I'm, i know i'm gonna get crushed for this but i'm a blue cheese over ranch guy so all right we're getting out of here i'm i'm not <laughs> you're not invited next week yeah 